Okay, this is Peyton with Girls Gone Right. We have an extremely special guest tonight, Jason Miller, former senior advisor to President Donald Trump and CEO of Getter, the social media platform like Twitter, except it takes our First Amendment rights more seriously and protects users' voices. How are you doing tonight, Jason? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my gosh, yeah, it is truly an honor. What is it? So tell us, what is it like to be the CEO of a company? Well, it's uh, very much like being a campaign manager for a campaign, except the great part is you don't have an expiration date, which is something that you have with the campaign. So you're essentially have a startup and then you're winding down almost at the same time. With yeah. a company, though, really building a long-term vision here. And we've seen over the past 18 months how people have been deplatformed and censored and algorithmed out of existence. And we knew that something had to be done here. And so this really is about taking on big tech. It's about changing the world. And what we are doing with Getter is really we're creating this all-in-one free speech platform so people can speak freely. They can communicate and live stream and broadcast what they're doing. Very soon we'll have our own competitor to Instagram Reels. And then rounding the corner in the next year, folks like yourself will be able to monetize the platform, uh, which is increasingly uh, important because of what YouTube and others are doing to censor conservatives. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. I am really excited about the Instagram reels. I feel like that's such a game changer and it's going to help get different generations using the platform. Um, so that's going to make you guys extremely competitive. What, what sparked this idea in you to start Getter? Yeah, so uh, I can't take all the credit for starting it. Uh, some of our very talented engineers and uh, people who are much smarter than me have been working on this for a long time. But I think it's this commonality of people saw that voices were being extinguished all over the planet, not just in the U.S. And that's one of the things, obviously, having worked for President Trump, I saw what happened with last year, both with people being sent to digital jail for daring to say outrageous things like the virus came from a lab in Wuhan, which, spoiler alert, it did. Uh, or even we saw uh, during the Where's Hunter laptop crisis last October, uh, just before the election, where big tech colluded with big media to squash that entire story, which, by the way, one out of every six Biden voter, when surveyed after the election, said they would have reconsidered their vote if they knew about the alleged corruption and grift from the Biden family selling access over past half century. And what I learned is that this is really going on all over the world. We see conservatives like President Bolsonaro, uh, efforts to censor or deplatform him in Brazil. We see it in France, Germany, the UK, uh, even Japan and the Far East. So this is really a global problem. And everyone is saying, we never voted for Zuckerberg. We never voted for Dorsey. Uh, let's go and stand up for our free speech rights. So, so when you're saying like all these people um, said that we didn't vote for them, where, who, who, I mean, like, who do you think is like, would be behind this? As far as behind Zuckerberg and Dorsey yes. and the, the censorship? <laughs> well, it's the political left because especially now that they've successfully deplatformed President Trump and he hasn't been on social media all since January, uh, the guardrails are off. They're completely unencumbered. They, they feel that they have um, the power to go and do anything. And like, well, like what President Trump said, if they're willing to do it to me, they'll do it to you in a heartbeat. And we even saw with Facebook or Meta or whatever they're calling themselves these days, uh, now saying that they're increasing their anti-misinformation efforts in countries that have elections in 2022. So the Philippines, Brazil, France, Hungary, places like that. Okay, just to be clear, they want to go and influence those elections like they influenced the 2020 U.S. presidential election. They view this as world shaping. So when they put uh, Trump in digital jail, do you think that it was just to benefit the left and have a greater influence on the left? 
Yeah. And uh, look, there's a, also a difference between, say, digital jail and effectively digital Alcatraz, which is where they tried to send President Trump to saying that you're never coming back, uh, which uh, fortunately we're going to have his voice back out there soon, which I think is a very good thing. But I think ultimately what this is, and they they come up with these excuses saying it's about January 6th. But here's here's the real story. In 2016, President Trump snuck up on the elites, on the media, on big tech on basically the the political left and he used social media to go around traditional media and that was his superpower president bolsonaro is very similar his superpower is the ability to connect with voters directly bypassing the traditional filter so we caught them off guard in 2016 or in bolsonaro's case 2018 they were ready for us in 2020 and i'm frequently asked what would you have done different? What could you have different done different with the campaign? And I always say, first and foremost, we should have had another platform ready to go going into 2020. Uh, look, I'll put myself in the category of saying that I was a skeptic. The big tech would ever go and do this. Uh, I would always tell people, no, you, you're being alarmist. There's no way they would actually deplatform a sitting president of the United States. They're not going to actually shadow ban or try to censor a sitting president. But that's exactly what they did. Yeah. I mean, I, I also saw thought the same thing, like when this was all happening, I didn't think that they would actually do that to the president of the United States and uh, the United States. And I truly, I, I miss Donald Trump's tweets. <laughs> I think he had a great sense of humor and <laughs> I, a lot of people just didn't get it. And I admire his voice on social media. I think um, a lot of the times he didn't have a filter, but he said what people didn't want to hear, but he said what people needed to hear. Um, so I think his voice is greatly missed. And I'm really excited that he's going to be able to be on social media again and share share his voice. Well, I look forward to having the uh, the alerts set. So 6 in the morning, <laughs> 6.15 in the morning, just hearing that ding, 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 like, uh-oh, the president's tweeting, uh, or president's <laughs> posting, whatever he's doing. So uh, there's a, a certain fondness to uh, to some of those memories. Uh, some of them uh, I liked more than others, uh, but it'll be good to have him uh, back out there. And a really important point with this, uh, with President Trump getting back out on social media, in our market research that we've done, we've found that between 20 and 25% of Trump voters stopped using social media after he was deplatformed. And they didn't necessarily cancel their account. They said, you know what? I'm tired of Zuckerberg. I'm tired of Dorsey. Uh, this, this is just a bunch of lefties. It's a rigged system. I'm going to quit using social media. Now that President Trump is making noise about starting his own platform, I think a lot of these people are coming off the sidelines. In fact, we've seen with Getter daily increases of between 50 and 100% uh, every day since President Trump announced that he was starting his own platform a week ago. So I think really a rising tide lifts all ships. And uh, the thing is right now, too much of the power is consolidated just with a trio of social uh, media oligarchs in Silicon Valley. I think more voices on the right are good. And quite frankly, it's only a matter of time till voices on the left say we're tired of big tech and we're going to start something new as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I actually just like deleted my Twitter app when the, the digital jail started to become popular because it just like felt like every the left side was being favored. It felt like I couldn't actually share my opinion because I would just get a fact checker right over my post um, or it would just get taken down or I would get shadow banned. So I just feel like I'm like, why am I using social media when I can't share what I want to say? But let the people on the left can share whatever they want to say. So it does, it feels very biased. Um, so I'm really excited that all these other apps and media sites are going to come out so that we can all share our opinions and voices freely. I think that is 
something that's really going to shift uh, what people see, what people believe, um, getting a, or being able to go on these apps that share all sides. Um, I think people are actually going to start seeing from a different side and start educating themselves and being able to not just like be one-sided. Um, so I think it's really going to help shape people's minds. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think, uh, look, as soon as we stop having the ability to communicate freely, then it's a pretty slippery slope to totalitarianism, to becoming China, to becoming a communist nation. This is the bedrock of democracy. There's a reason why our freedom of speech uh, is literally the First Amendment. You know, one of the things, just uh, having had the opportunity to travel the world quite a bit now that I'm the, the CEO of Getter on uh, my uh, trip to Brazil that got a lot of attention, you know, one of the things that people might not realize is that other countries don't necessarily have their own version of the First Amendment. Free speech really isn't all that free. In fact, I had an opportunity to meet with the deputy, effectively a, a congresswoman in Brazil, Carol Tony, who's crafting what would be Brazil's version of a, a First Amendment freedom of speech uh, type legislation. And uh, so great to hear that there are freedom fighters who are pushing for efforts like this because as a, as a democracy, whether it's ours or another nation's, we have to protect free speech. And I think that's something that really unites folks from the United States and other countries. Yeah, I think it's like so true. Freedom of speech is not always free, but I think that's something that America, like we are based on freedom. That's something that we should fight for. It's something we should protect. Um, and I mean, like with Section 230 um, basically just allows big tech companies to censor users. So they have the right to censor. But it kind of just is like a gray, a gray space of like, what can we censor? What is freedom of speech? What is your opinion on censorship? Like are do you think private companies like, I mean, how do you feel about that? I know you have your own app, but with it being regulated and then being private companies, how does that work? Yeah, so great question. So let me go and kind of break it down for anyone who's not a total uh, digital nerd like uh, myself or us who follow this stuff 24-7. So Section 230 is a part of the U.S. Code that effectively regulates uh, liability protections when it comes to online platforms. And so back in the 90s, that's back when we had AOL and there's no such thing as, uh, as wireless internet. And it was uh, way before we had smartphones or anything of the sort, we had the, uh, the annoying sound from the AOL dial-up. Basically, you had blogs, and but the uh, folks who are writing the legislation realized that the future of much of the digital town square was going to be online. And so they created Section 230, which said that if you're a platform and you're simply allowing users to go and post their opinions or their own content onto your platform, that you wouldn't be held liable for things that they put on there. Now, obviously, if there's exceptions, if someone puts on, you know, like death threats or different things and you refuse to take it down. But it basically holds them, uh, uh, basically gives them immunity on that. The contrast is that if you're exercising editorial opinion, uh, then you become the New York Times or the Amazon Washington Post or a, a publication that definitely has a, a particular viewpoint, a political viewpoint. Well, what the folks who wrote the legislation didn't quite think through all the way is what would happen when these platforms decided to then start exercising their own political judgment, which is exactly the type of political discrimination that we've seen from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and so on. And so I very much think that Section 230 needs to be reformed. Uh, I think there needs to be much better uh, transparency and accountability for social media platforms in order to be afforded that right. We're giving them, a, we're giving social media platforms, including mine, including Getter, 
a special protection, but I think that there are certain standards that social media companies have to live up to if they want that protection. Now, uh, to your second question about actual, um, I think where you're kind of getting at is moderation. And we have a moderation policy where we make very clear in our terms of service that you cannot post illegal activity. You can't put up an ISIS beheading video or so uh, we don't allow pornography, we don't allow terrorists um, uh, on our platform, for example. Uh, those are part of, or uh, we also do not allow racial or religious epithets. Those are part of our terms of service. But we will absolutely fight to the end to protect people's ability to communicate and express their political viewpoints without being censored or shadow banned or deplatformed or algorithmed. That's really kind of our, our core value. We're the free speech platform, and we're going to maintain that. I think that that's a, a very uh, uh, realistic and I think understandable compromise that you have to have some aspect of moderation. I'm going to tell you why. It's not so much of, uh, say, for example, one bad user, maybe someone having a bad day and they post something uh, that uh, that maybe goes a little far, a little bit too far and they need to um, uh, be put in timeout or it's a post that can be viewed as um, uh, is potentially causing harm to someone. Not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the fact that if you don't have a formal plan in place, then what's going to happen is you're going to have the CCP, you're going to have all the the lefty bots, uh, you're going to have ISIS, you're going to have uh, the Russians and the the bot farms in St. Petersburg. They're going to come in and try to blow up your site by putting up objectionable uh, content, different things that would cause problems, and that's where things can. You can't just rely on community policing like Parler did in the early stages. Otherwise, the the bad guys are going to win. So we think we have what is a uh, robust, proactive, but very sensible moderation policy. And when it comes to your political viewpoint, nobody is ever going to tell you what you can and can't say. I I love that your platform has like taken a stand on that, and like you you can still keep out like the really bad stuff, but like the stuff that is not bad, but it just offends people. Like that is just. That's what social media platforms should be doing. Why do you think that the everyone's like for censorship? I feel like a lot of people are for the censorship. Like I know friends who are like, oh, I, I don't mind censorship. So do you think that it's just like they, they want to spread the someone's quote unquote woke, woke culture? To Is it like to instill fear, to gain control? Yeah, it's it, you hit the nail on the head. This is about uh, this is about political control. This is about stopping the free expression of thought from people who have viewpoints that they don't share. And that, that's all that this is about. And, you know, one of the things I just want to go back for a moment, when we talk about, uh, say, our policy, for example. Uh, I think that we have a, a very smart approach to it. We're not going to get it right every single time. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do our best to learn from it, improve. Uh, I think that if we did get it right or said that we were going to get it right every time, people would say, wait a minute, uh, who put you in charge of everything? But I think we have a, a, a smart approach, and it's only going to get better uh, the more that we mature as a platform. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, not everyone's going to get it right, but I mean, it sounds like this platform um, so far is going very well, and at least everyone can express their opinions without having a fact checker right over it. I think... I think that's great. And that's something that I have been missing because my social media just seems like every time I follow someone, it gives me an alert saying, uh oh, this person posts things that might not be true, but it's really just their opinion. So it is just so that is what social media looks like in today's day and age. Yeah, exactly. And that's and think of the the Washington Post fact checker. Think of someone like Glenn Kessler, uh, who's going to be the the arbiter of truth. All of these fact checkers have very subjective opinions. That's what it is. It's their opinion. 
And even sometimes when they'll go through and say that, well, it's not technically wrong, but we're going to say that it's wrong uh, because we know that it didn't fit the way that, that we thought. And so sometimes even uh, you'll be wrong for being right, and they still want to go and throw labels on it. And so I think it's really disingenuous. And, and look, just uh, take a look at the way that, say, Google and YouTube are now putting the clamp down with specific regard to climate change and the fact that they've now they've gone beyond elections and now they're into climate change uh, saying that well if you don't agree with us if you're not super woke or uh, if you're not totally down with the uh, uh, with the teslas or the other electric vehicles um if you're gonna if you dare to say something like well they're kind of cycles with climate change and uh, the earth gets hotter and it gets colder Unless you completely adhere to their ideology, unless you fully dive into being an eco loon, uh, they're going to put you in timeout. Yeah, I mean, it is just social media has just really been extremely biased. Um, what do you think the relationship between the government and big media is? Like, I mean, obviously there's an agenda there. They they're working towards the same ish goal. What do you think that is? You know, it's a great question. Uh, you know, earlier in my uh, career in politics, I used to think that the Democrats ran everything. And I was just, oh, the Democrats are in charge of the media. The Democrats run uh, everything to do with schools. The more that I've gotten older, the more that I've seen, first of all, national Democrats, the folks in Washington, aren't smart enough to run anything any more than, say, senior Republican leadership is. So uh, I know that the Democrats aren't running anything. They couldn't, uh, you know, uh, run a, a one-car one funeral. Um, but with regard to big tech, I truly think that big tech are now the power players. They're the ones who truly run everything. They run media. They run the Democratic Party. Uh, they run every aspect of our lives. It's where our data is going. It's being shared or handed off uh, to other countries or other companies. Maybe that one time that you checked a box early on in creating your account, you did it just real quick because you weren't thinking through it. Now your data is sold and shared all the way around the world. Uh, it's pretty egregious stuff. So do you think that long-term wise, uh, do you think that everyone's going to be moving to a free social media platform and it's not just going to be conservatives? Do you think eventually even the other parties, people that like censorship or, or they're on the left, do you think they're eventually going to move to these uh, free, free speech platforms? Yeah, another good question. I think uh, big tech as we know it is really dying. Uh, there's a reason why Facebook just went and changed their name. It's not because their business model is so great and they have a great sterling reputation. Nobody who has a, a great business model or great trend lines changes their name. You're not going to see McDonald's or Ford or even Apple go and change their name to be something different. I mean, that's a, a, a trillion uh, plus dollar business or each of those are, you know, gazillion dollar businesses. So it's clearly what's happening are people are leaving Facebook, they're leaving Twitter. Uh, they realize that the big tech really has become just a, a haven for censorship. And with us, a lot of the passion right now is in the center right space. Uh, but I think as the as big tech and others start to even clamp down on folks on the, the left, or maybe it's, it becomes progressives, uh, the AOC types that they think are getting out of line, they want to go and put the clamps down on them. I think more people on the left will, will leave. We're obviously making a big effort to grow our user base internationally. Um, only 47% of Getter is domestic, 53% is uh, from around the rest of the world in Brazil and Japan that are both around 15 and 13% uh, respectively. 
Um, so that's one of the things that makes us uh, a little bit more diverse. And also, too, we're adding on a lot of additional uh, athletes and entertainers, people of that nature. Uh, so there's a it's not just the center right politically. There are a lot of people that, quite frankly, um, uh, don't care about politics that much at all. <laughs> that's great to hear. Do you think that Facebook feels threatened? I mean, are they going, they, they obviously feel a little threatened by these uh, free speech platforms. Do you think that they're going to eventually start to take down some censorship and fact checkers and step it, take it down a notch to compete with you guys? No, not at all. They, they, after, after kicking off president Trump, they're just going to ramp up their efforts even more. Um, and I think that's, uh, you would, in kind of a, a traditional construct, you would think, okay, uh, Facebook, Twitter, these other companies are losing market share. YouTube is losing market share to rumble. Uh, you would think that uh, these big tech companies would say, oh, we need to reverse this trend. Now they're just going to double and triple down. They've made their billions and trillions of dollars. Uh, what they're more concerned about now is how they shape the world. Yeah. So do you, do you think, why do you think that people aren't so bothered by the censorship? Why do you think people are staying on Facebook and a lot of people are staying silent about this? Yeah, um, another good point here. Uh, keep in mind that for half of the country, effectively, they don't see anything wrong. They disagree with conservative viewpoints. And so, well, if this is something that happens to those um, those pesky conservatives, then, well, it's their own fault. Uh, who cares? The world's a better place if we don't allow conservatives on social media. That's kind of their viewpoint. And so when it comes to uh, folks who are more in the center right uh, type of space, uh, many people, like I said, many people have just quit social media. They said this uh, just isn't worth the time. Uh, then there are other folks such as myself who are launching new platforms and trying to uh, promote the good aspects of social media, try to um, to steal a line from my former boss, trying to make social media fun again, uh, which is something that, that we're definitely trying to do. And I think we're off to a pretty good start with almost 3 million users globally just wow. since July 4th. Congratulations, 3 million. That is a whole lot of people. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so what is one, one last thing that you can say to the people that are hesitant about censorship and they, they're falling into the lines of censorship? What is one last thing that you can say to people to encourage them to stand up for censorship, to get on Getter, to do things to fight back for the freedom of speech? If you don't take a stand now, next thing you know, you're going to wake up and find out that your Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagram accounts have all been wiped out. It's only a matter of time. The big tech companies are not going to slow down. They're going to become more aggressive. Now is when you want to start building other platforms such as Getter. You want to establish your presence, let people know that's where they can find you, start posting links to connect. In fact, one of the super cool features that we put in, and again, this is our, uh, our development team. Uh, th these guys are such brainiacs. They're smart people. They figured out a way because you own all your social media posts. So whether your tweets, your Instagram, your Facebook posts, you own those as users. Otherwise, if the company owned it, then they'd be liable for it. So it's yours. You can do whatever you want. We actually made it so you can import all of your tweets into your getter timeline. So that intellectual property comes with you, that history. So whether it be your pictures, whether it be the, your videos, all the creativity that you spent on your Twitter timeline, now you can bring that into getter. So that's a way to back it up. And guess what? We're going to do it pretty soon with Instagram. Oh, wow. That is awesome. I, I, I wasn't even aware of that. So like, that's something that I learned today. So I'm really excited about that. I mean, I have so many pictures, videos on Instagram that I just keep there that I'm not going to save on my phone because it's a lot, a lot of storage and I, and I don't have a lot of storage on my phone. So it's good to know that you guys are doing that for users. 
Um, anywho, I'm just so thankful that you were able to come on a podcast and tell us more about censorship. I feel like I am leaving this podcast and I have so much, so much more knowledge on censorship. I know what I want to stand up for and I know what I want to fight for. Um, and I'm hoping that these listeners are going to take away something today. They're going to tell their friends about it. We're all going to make a getter. We're all going to follow each other. Um, and we're all going to just start using getter and free speech platforms. And, and we're going to make this a domino effect. Well, thank you so much for having me on and keep up the great work with the podcast. I look forward to seeing you on Getter. Thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you.